welcome to episode four of Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we'll analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German from 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us today from the badlands of Mad Max Minute are Rick and Julia. Hi, guys. Hello. Thank you for having us. Welcome. 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 Thank you for joining us. And we are all here today to discuss This is Spinal Tap Minute 4. Uh, minute 4 starts with the band is on stage singing their, uh, their great hit, Tonight, I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight. Uh, we start with Nigel singing. We end uh, towards the end of the song with a three-guitar rock salute at the edge of the stage. In between, we get some good old-fashioned rock and roll, and we get some overlays introducing us to the band, so we know uh, we know who we're watching. Yeah, this is um, quite the minute to bring you guys in on a whole lot of action going on in our first live concert with the band of the movie. Oh, absolutely. It's a huge high point to come in on. And I have to say, probably one of the highest points that we're going to see them at in this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, so true. I was <laughs> noticing that the crowd, when we see the crowd here, that it's a huge crowd. How many more times are we going to see a huge crowd? I wonder. Well, this is how many <laughs> more times are we going to see a huge American crowd? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. True. So, Rick, uh, I, I believe you were saying that you looked up some information specifically about our four characters, or at least the top three. Oh, wait, four. There's five of There's them. Five. Exactly. I, I looked up all five band members. I have this kind of sick fascination with people's top four on IMDb. So when you visit an actor's page, they have the top four things that they're best known for. And so as the band members were introduced in the minute, I would look them up on IMDb. As you guys mentioned, we start off with David St. Hubbins. He's the lead guitar, and he's played by Michael McKean. I'm always fascinated, as Julia especially, with actors where their top credit in the top four is not the movie that we're currently talking about. And that is exactly the case with Michael McKean. Yeah. Michael McKean, his top four on IMDb. Number one is Plane, Trains, and Automobiles in 1987, where he plays an unnamed state trooper. And I feel like that one is number one because the movie is more famous than the role that he plays in it. And yeah, it's understandable. Movie. Everybody loves Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, uh, that number, is a fun one. Number two on his top four is This is Spinal Tap, the movie we're all talking about today, where he plays David. Uh, number three is 1985's Clue, where he plays Mr. Green. And if you've ever seen Clue, over the course of the movie, he says multiple times that he did not do it. Yeah. So he, we know that he's, you know, a straight, honest character there. Uh, number four, his best, uh, number four best-known movie is Whatever Works in 2009, where he played Boris's friend. And unfortunately, I didn't really look that one up and dig too deep into it. I don't, I don't know much I've about it. I don't think I've ever heard of it. Is that a I mean, Woody Allen recent. movie? I'm not familiar with it offhand. You know, I think it is. It is. Yeah. It's the Woody Allen movie with um with Larry David. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm surprised because he's done. Uh, I mean, nowadays he's so great on Better Call Saul, mm. but then I think of um, things like Laverne and Shirley. And but, also, he played a cup. Uh, I think. It's a two-episode arc on one of the later X-Files seasons, like maybe yes. season six or seven. But it, it's really fun and different. He and David 
um, Oh, David St. Hubbins, David Duchovny. He he and David Duchovny do the this body switch double. So it's it's a it's more humor, you know, one of the more humorous episodes, but it's a, it's really hilarious. He he kind of they both kind of camp it up in that one. It's funny that you should mention that because David Duchovny was in Boston like last night with his band performing. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize. Yeah, that's wow. right. I, He's I, a lead singer now. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's cool. kind of jarring to see like a well-known actor all of a sudden be the, the lead singer of a band. And I'm sure it's not all of a sudden. It's probably yeah. something like a passion project he's you know pursued for years, but it was quite odd. Yeah, and I mean, that kind of, that's a good thing to bring up here, too, because these guys are all musical. We were talking earlier about how they're all you know, playing these parts and singing these songs and writing this material and playing the instruments. And, and so you could see how easy, how it would be easy that that stage presence would come across, you know, mm. from being an actor to a, a performer of a different type. Oh, absolutely. So that's Michael McKean. Uh, the next person we're introduced to, obviously, Nigel Tufnell as the other lead guitarist played by Christopher Guest. So his top movie in his top fours this is spinal tap 1984 he was in 2000's best in show where he played harlan pepper he was in 1987's the princess bride where he played count rugen the six-fingered man yes which as, <laughs> as julie and i were really thinking about this idea okay so he's got six fingers on one hand well he's got five on the other oh my gosh his hands go up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I can't believe I never noticed that before. <laughs> yeah, that just rocks my world. And I have to admit, I'm a fan of The Princess Bride. I'm one of those people who can, you know, quote the whole thing. And I've been watching it since forever. I did not know that that was Christopher Guest playing Count Rugen. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it until I read through Rick's notes and he had it on the list. I'm like, no, uh, that's not true. And I go <laughs> check it out for myself. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I had no idea. He does look totally different. For a long time, I had, I had seen his name in the list of actors who appear. For the longest time, I thought he was the, um, the minister or whoever's doing the ceremony at the end when Humperdinck and Buttercup are getting married. Yes. I thought that was Christopher Guest just because there's no one in the movie that looks like Christopher Guest. He looks so That's different. Crazy. As, uh, they slap a beard on him and he looks like a completely different person. <laughs> yeah. But I, I imagine in my head a, a deleted scene for The Princess Bride where you have a squire and he's bringing things to Count Rugen. And he says, well, Count, why don't you just do more with the ten fingers you, you already have? <laughs> like, well... My hands go up to 11. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. And let's see, A Mighty Wind. I think, Julia, you were mentioning that that's a movie that you really enjoyed, too. Oh, I love that movie. It was my introduction to the whole concept of a mockumentary. I remember watching it and loving it so much. And I've seen it oh, maybe a dozen times. And every time, locally, there's a restaurant that's called something Joe's and I can't remember what the first word of it is. And mm -hmm. every time I go E O's. <laughs> 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 
That's awesome. Yeah, I I have a lot of affection for that movie too, especially because I think when uh, growing up, my dad had a great record collection, and he's kind of how I got into this is Spinal Tap and a lot of great music. Um, and also a lot of this fo- that kind of folky folk music. He wasn't into mm-hmm. all of it, but he was definitely into some some of those kind of um, bands from the the sixties and. Uh, and also because that movie, I think of all the different Christopher Guest films, that one really has a sweet heart to it. It's mm. hilarious. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. You know, but but yeah, I think that there's, it's so, um, the other two. A bit two, of a tearjerker at the end. It is, it's, it yeah, is. It's emotional. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So, and it also kind of reminds me of, you know, when you get into a really great band and love them and then start listening to maybe their earlier stuff or their influences so like i love the idea that you saw that movie and that that was your rock that your first mockumentary experience and then at some point later you saw this is spinal tap so that was kind of like the earlier version of the same band absolutely i i like to think of it that way that's great it really it introduced me to the concept that not that not everything you, that's presented to you is has to be taken 100% accurate at face value. Some things are poking fun and introduced me to the idea, the concept of satire. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it made other movies and mockumentaries of the same genre more enjoyable for me. Uh, like, um, oh, what's the other one? For your consideration. For your consider. Oh yeah, no, that's a uh, little bit later, right? Yeah. That came out. Yeah. And uh, best in best in show. Yes. Which of course, another Christopher Guest movie. Yes, and a well, lot of for these, your consideration is too. Yeah, a lot is of these. Yeah. A lot of these movies are. It's almost like a troupe of actors: Eugene Levy mm-hmm. and Catherine O'Hare, Christopher Guest. You know they they do lots of work together, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, there's a lot of some of those movies I I can rewatch multiple times. What's the dog show one? Oh, Best in, Best show. in show. Yeah, that one I yeah, can rewatch, but I kind of have to fast forward through some of the um the real uptight couple, you know, that they're mad at their dog because um it was traumatized by watching the two of them have sex and then it's being de- acting depressed <laughs> and they're so like manic that sometimes I just fast forward through them but michael mckeon plays a great character in that as that um, part of that um sweet gay couple that are really very loving with each other and and, and yeah, their dogs and their dogs yeah yeah i'm a big dog lover too so cool. so yeah so we've let's see we've we got imdb top four of two of the characters so far do you want to go ahead and and then we've met nigel and we got derek on derek smalls the bassist so derek played by harry shear anyone who's heard the name harry shear you're instantly going to know what his number one most recognized role is going to be and that's going to be for the simpsons tv show and i uh, so i call up imdb and I pull up Harry Shear's name and I say, okay, yeah, obviously The Simpsons is going to be his number one thing. So it starts listing names, you know, Ned Flanders, Charles Montgomery Burns, Waylon Smithers, and then an ellipses. And I'm like, well, I want to know the other names. How many more can there be? There and lot. oh my God, <laughs> so many names. <laughs> like, 
I, I could go through them, but it would just be a cavalcade of yes. like he does Kang. He does judge Roy Snyder. He's done uh Herbert Walker Bush. He's done Clinton. He's done unnamed characters like, you know, bank owner and Texan number two. I mean, <laughs> well, just and, and Jasper, so many. he's Jasper. You can't yeah. leave out Jasper. He's Lenny. He's Kent Brockman. He's scratchy. He's Otto. Like he's just everybody. He's Lovejoy. I mean, wow. you can't really throw a rock in Springfield without having a really good chance of hitting Harry Shearer in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. What's also kind of crazy is the fact that his number one is The Simpsons TV show and his number two is immediately The Simpsons movie, <laughs> Simpsons movie. from 2007. <laughs> and for his role in that movie, I just put a star and I said, see above. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just not worth going back and trying to figure it out all over again. It's not until we get down to number three that we see Harry Shearer getting his credit for This Is Spinal Tap, where he played Derek. And then, interestingly enough, his number four on his top four is Godzilla from 1998, where he played that newspaper guy. Oh, my gosh. I don't even remember that. I think I I saw that one. I saw the movie. I don't remember him in that. There's Uh, a popular scene that you can find really easily on YouTube where it's Harry Shearer and he's walking back and forth, pacing as he's talking on the phone, talking about how they don't have stories or something like that. And you've got Nancy Cartwright in front of him at a desk playing a receptionist. And so you've got these two (laughs) Simpsons alums in this horrible Godzilla movie. And the joke of the scene is that he's complaining about them not having news. And as he's looking at Nancy Cartwright, she's looking at him and the windows are behind him and Godzilla walks by and she's like, your story just walked by and he turns around and doesn't see anything. And that's, you know, the joke (laughs) where he's so uptight and looking for stuff that he just completely spaces out on the giant monster wrecking the city. And, I got to say, of the characters in this movie, I think Derek is probably my favorite just because he takes that kind of Zen approach of just being the the middleman, the the fulcrum of the the two ends that are, you know, Nigel and David on either either side. He's he's just the tepid water between their hot and cold. Yes. Mm -hmm. The lukewarm water, I believe, is how he puts it in a later minute. Yeah. Now, now, Rick, do you know anything about the algorithm by which that top four is decided on for IMDb? How do so, they decide what, what someone's known for? While I don't know the exact algorithm for... Wow, let me try saying that word again. While I don't know the exact algorithm for how those things are determined, I do know that IMDb has opened it up so that stars can go in and edit their own IMDb pages. Uh-huh. So if an actor like R.J. Parnell wanted to go in and say, well, you know, I don't want The Devil's Due at Midnight being my number two. I want it my number one, and I want to push Spinal Tap down. He could do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have a feeling it's probably a mixture of the popularity of the movie and the overall global rankings paired with the actor and their overall global rankings. It probably matches up those two and kind of spits it out that way. We've found on Mad Max Minute that probably about two-thirds of if not higher, probably like four-fifths of all the actors that we look up on IMDb, Mad Max is pretty much always their top credit because all they've ever done beside that is Australian daytime television. (laughs) 
Yeah, and uh, actually that reminds me of um, one of my other favorite podcasts, um, Doug Loves Movies. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. Love he that has, one. Okay, so he um, he has a game that he plays on there occasionally. That's what that's what they do mostly, are short interviews with his guests, and then they get into these movie-related games, and that's one of them is guessing the top four IMDb because they are so weird. So it'll be like this person's, they're trying to guess the person, I think. So, okay, so this actor's IMDb lists X movie as one of their four and and so on and so forth. But that's that one's pretty fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm a longtime listener of D- Doug Loves Movies, and we actually saw him when he came to Boston, but the whole idea of looking up the top four on IMDb, I got exactly from that podcast. I kind of, oh, cool. I kind of nicked it. So awesome. I hope you enjoyed that peek behind the curtain. When I, I, asked, yeah. I asked about that agor- algorithm uh, specifically for, for Harry because he's done so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. think obviously, you know, into the 600s in terms of, of episodes of Simpsons. So I'm not surprised that's number one. Plus, you know, the, the number of episodes and the number of different voices but he goes back to uh, – he's been working almost continuously since the early 50s. Oh, yeah. Um, he's and, racked up over 160 acting credits. Yeah, and I actually I, – I caught some of his appearance on the Jack Benny show when he, when he – he must have been like 8 or 10. He's just a little kid. There's a couple episodes where, where Jack's the uh, the scoutmaster for – they call him the, the Beavers or the Junior Beavers, but it's basically a, a stand-in for the Boy Scouts and – and, and Harry Shearer plays one of the scouts that Jack takes to the circus or something like that. And uh, he's done everything. He's worked with everyone. Um, so, yeah, if you, it, it, it'd, be, it'd be tough to just pick four out of uh, a really impressive resume. Yeah. Well, I do believe, too, I don't know if you're going to reveal it today, Sean, that there was a specific movie that he did a voice in that we I believe you teased on our Facebook page quite a while back. Do you oh, recall yeah, yeah. that? Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I should uh, mention that. So uh, a lot of our listeners probably know this, but uh, one of the tie-ins between uh, Spinal Tap, or this is Spinal Tap and Star Wars, is is Harry Shearer, that he, he has some uncredited voiceover work in the original Star Wars in A New Hope. Um, so he's one of uh, three actors that I know of that are in This Is Spinal Tap that also make appearance in... Uh, in the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, now, I, I guess he doesn't really make an appearance. He does some voiceover. I think it's um, uh, Imperial Officers on the Death Star. But uh, yeah, he doesn't make an appearance, but his voice makes an appearance. So that's that's number one. And then we'll leave it out there for a future minute for uh, two and three. There's two other actors uh, from Spinal Tap that are also have a Star Wars tie. So uh, yeah, that's a nice little, a little tie in there, a little kind of Easter egg. And and something to tease to look forward to in, in future minutes. So you'll have to come back and, and keep listening to find out who the other two are. That is spectacular. Yeah, I definitely will, because now I'm very curious. <laughs> we, we hooked you. You yeah. caught me. My hook, my hook. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so the next member of the band that we're introduced to is on drums, we have Mick Shrimpton. Yep, played by R.J. Parnell, who... <laughs> Who actually Does he ha- have four things in IMDb? I think he has pretty much exactly four. Um, Spinal Tap being the top one, where he plays Mick Shrimpton. Uh, number two, The Devil's Due at Midnight, 2004, where he played unnamed drummer. You know, <laughs> he's got a type. 
Uh, and then his number three is a movie that has not even come out yet. It's in post-production. It's called mm-hmm. Saving for the Day. Its release date is 2017, and he plays a character named Ricardo. And then number four is the Just for Laughs Montreal Comedy Festival TV special documentary in 2001. And what I found interesting, I usually like to trust IMDb, and I don't know how smart of an idea that is. But for the 2001 credit, it says Rick Shrimpton instead mm. of Mick Shrimpton. And I thought, oh, that looks odd. Like, why would it, why would it say that? And <laughs> the, the credit of the Montreal Comedy Festival is repeated when we get down to David Kraft. But for David Kraft, they misattribute him as well. You know, since we're talking about it. So David Kraft plays Viv Savage, who plays on the keyboard. And he's introduced with this amazing little guitar, uh, keyboard solo that he launches into. Yes. Mm-hmm. His yeah. number one is Spinal Tap. His number two is 1998's Black Dog, where he's credited as a soundtrack writer. He wrote the song Roadman as David Caffinetti. And then number three, like I mentioned before, the Montreal Comedy Festival Just for Laughs, where they misattribute him instead of Viv Savage. He's credited as Vic Savage. Hmm. It kind of sounds like the person who was inputting the information for that show maybe wasn't that good. What well, needed it. some new reading glasses yeah. or like you I know. can I can understand misnaming RJ Parnell because there's the running joke of the drummers dying tragically. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they would replace Mick Shrimpton with his cousin Rick Shrimpton. <laughs> yeah. well, I guess that, that would which be is possible. It's possible. Like I don't have my book in front of me right now, the the companion book, but it is very possible that he could <laughs> yeah. reemerged as a Rick Shrimpton. I, we'll I have will to research admit, that. I will admit I did not go and search out the TV special documentary of just for just for laughs twenty thousand two thousand one, but I got a little chuckle out of that. <laughs> no, that is a good that is a good chuckle. So speaking of Mick Shrimpton, I just have a little a little nugget here. Um there's a website called hideyourarms.com and on hideyourarms.com, which I believe is a place where they just kind of uh, highlight different cool t-shirts, they have a post called every t-shirt and this is spinal tap and so some of them are ones you can buy some of them are just the uh, host of the website talking about them and so he does have a little little tiny bit here about mick shrimpton he says uh here we see mick shrimpton wearing a poison he says vest so i'm assuming he's british um i think british people sometimes say uh, anyways, say it's vest or tee with the arms cut off. Um, you would presume that the design was a reference to the band Poison because, you know, it has the skull and crossbones. It has, uh, says Poison on it. He says, uh, but with the film being released in 84 and the band Poison only forming in 83 and changing their name to poison in 84 that seems unlikely Mm. i can't find the artwork being related to poison the band either so perhaps the motivation with this design was that poison causes death and so a band member would wear it so maybe another thing having to do with him being a drummer and how the drummers usually don't last too long. Oh, that is delightfully down. morbid. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just tempting fate. <laughs> Mick is tempting fate with this shirt. 
Yeah. So let's see. Did we cover everybody now through as far as the IMDb? Yeah, that's everybody okay. in the band all the way through uh, lead cool. guitar to keyboard. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that information because I mostly, as far as this minute, was really mostly obsessed with the set and the audience and meeting each band member and all of their different looks. Yeah, so we... we I'm going to jump in. Let's let's talk about that. We started talking about uh, mixed T-shirt, and I kind of took a page from uh, from the Rick playbook, and I looked up the the IMDb page for Renee Johnston, who is uh, credited for costume design on This Is St- uh, Spinal Tap, and her top four in IMDb uh, are something called Fun from 1994. Number two is This Is Spinal Tap from 84, of course. Down Twisted from 87. And then Night Angel from 1990. And and Renee is credited as costume designer on all of those except for Spinal Tap, where it's costume and wardrobe design. The only one of those I'd heard of uh, was Spinal Tap. And then something else deeper down. There's only six credits under costume design, and the only one other than Spinal Tap I had heard of uh, was the TV series Red Shoe Diaries. Hmm. So we have another David Duchovny connection. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so it gives you an idea where, uh, maybe where they're coming from for costume design. And it looks like our five band members are are showing up for five different concerts. Yeah, there's no <laughs> like common thread. <laughs> yeah, so we, we've got David... Um, and we we'll just go through and and if you guys have you know comments or opinions, chime in. Um, I'll start with David, who is wearing I can only describe it as a silk blouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what I think of he's you know is he a member of Yes? Does he think this is you know uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer? He looks like this is you know stadium prog rock from from the late seventies. It just it, it doesn't look rock and roll to me. Yeah, he's about a few ruffles short of a pirate shirt right there. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Very, yes, like a poet, mystical man, that kind of a thing mm-hmm. is what I think of, a dreamer. Yeah, and so then Nigel is maybe the most appropriately dressed. He's got the, the spandex tights and a leopard print vest and and I kind of think I'm thinking Def Leppard this is early 80s mid 80s hair band kind of thing he seems dressed appropriately for the occasion he see you know he's ready to rock with with what he's wearing yeah and I think his hair if memory serves is very similar to the singer of Def, Def Leppard if I believe that kind of not quite a mullet, but what we used to call back in the eighties in high school a rocker mullet. So it was a mm-hmm. little bit, little bit of texture on the top, and then kind of long and shaggy on the sides. And yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of feather, uh, mm-hmm. not not too much, but yeah, there's just a little yeah. of that. Oh, and he's just, and I'll just throw this in. He he is playing a great, uh, great flying V, a uh, nice white V. So then moving on, there's there's Derek. Oh, Derek. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know what, what you can say about Derek. He's, he's, you know, his introduction, Derek Small's bass comes up about 30 seconds in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure this could be, you know, maybe he's in Guar and we've caught him without the mask. 
Uh, maybe he just stepped out of an S&M club. You know, he could be the lead singer for Judas Priest. Uh, he's just, he's, he's giving us a lot of, um, there's a lot of sexual energy and a lot of chest hair. Yeah. It kind of looks Derek. like when they were putting together his costume, they said, okay, we want leather. Let's go to a leather store. But the only leather store they could get to was like a belt store at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> Which happened to be next to a hardware store. So they probably just, okay, we'll take some rings, we'll take some belts, we'll just strap it together and throw it all over Derek. Yes. But, oh, that mustache of his. Oh, my God. Yeah, my friend. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It It is. I, um, so I watched this uh, minute um, yesterday a bunch with my husband, and he noticed something that I just never even saw, even even though I'd been watching this minute a bunch already, is that. He is, he's not only wearing this bondage gear and all these straps and everything, but tied to one of the rings that's on his, it's the left one kind of closest to his left nipple area. He has a chain hanging off of it and then just handcuffs hanging off that chain. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like just dangling. Like, yeah, like, like you do. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that really that. does kind of <laughs> speak to the idea of him just coming out of a, you know, a bondage situation, you know, a sex club. And he just said, okay, guys, I'm ready and leapt on stage um, because it's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's wonderfully ridiculous. But yeah, yeah, I never saw that. And then if you really slow it down, you see kind of see it. Hanging, I think, especially right at the end, but it's pretty crazy. Oh, that's amazing. That just seems so precarious to me. Like, it's going to get caught on something. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you can see it at, yeah, like, um, like fifth minute 50 or second, like 57, 56, 57. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I noticed there was something hanging. You can see it in the beginning, like second three. Oh, yeah, there it is. But, you, but you, yeah, it's not to the end that, oh, handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right at his crike, right where I stopped it at 56. It's like dangling right between his legs. Now, see, that just screams safety hazard to me because especially in totally. this opening concert, they are just trying to stay just far enough back to not be completely swarmed and grabbed and pulled off stage. And here David is with pretty much a handle on the end of a chain. Yeah, oh, someone just yeah. grabs that. Just- Totally. Pulls it into the audience. I hope their insurance is paid up. (laughs) I'm guessing not. (laughs) Yeah, and they're all three of these, you know, guys out in front are all wearing some sort of spandex pants. So pants are all tight. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then so the the last member, we talked about uh, Mick in his t shirt earlier. Mm -hmm. And then there's Viv Savage, who. He looks like the nurse at the insane asylum where the rest of the band are patients. <laughs> is he wearing like a white jumpsuit? Is that what I can see? That's, That's what, what it looks, it looks like. like. We, we don't get too much below the waist, but yeah, it looks like, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's the custodian cleaning up after after the rest of the animals. Well, that's funny you say that because I think the way he's playing, it's so impressive. You know, he's a real musician. He's really jamming on the keyboard there. But that kind of makes me think if you think think of a custodian after hours, I could imagine somebody walking by a piano somewhere after hours and then sitting down and all of a sudden you see them ripping away, you know, like 
doing something that nobody expects. He really, he, his just little flash here is very impressive. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's, he's a great musician, and we'll get to hear more from him. But back to Mick, Mick, I really, well, you're we talking about each one looks like they're in a different band. He kind of looks more like he's in some goth, death rocky type of band. Like it looks like he has maybe some white makeup on. He definitely has some dark, like cheekbone accentuating makeup on. He, I think he has a tiny, his little um, uh, headband that you'll, that I think you get a little peek of that that we'll see a little bit later in the movie, but he, he has a great look too. Yeah, and just a little uh, a little bit of uh, Mick Shrimpton trivia. So Rick Parnell uh, played played for a band called Atomic Rooster uh, <laughs> that I've never heard of, and I don't know anything about what they've done. But so that was kind of that's like his main gig, or the, hmm. the band that I think that he was with for the longest. But I think the most interesting bit of uh, Rick Parnell trivia is he played drums on the Tony Basil hit Mickey. Oh, really? So there really? you go. So when you're when you're going, oh Mickey, there's a little bit of Spinal Tap in the, in the per, per, percussion section there. And yeah. there's a lot of percussion in that song. Yeah, there yeah. is. That's what I was thinking too. That's cool. Yeah. Any so any other comments specifically about their costumes or stage presence? Let's I I'm think good. I appreciate that they they are all wearing very different things. It, you get a chance to see, you get the first inkling of their individual personalities. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You do. You do get a feeling of of who these people are and that they are different people. It's not. I mean, there may be a stage persona, but it's not to the point where they're all wearing the same thing and they're all like in suits or something like that. You're getting a little bit of personality, and yeah. uh, I, I think the audience is appreciating it. There's a little oh, absolutely with everyone. Yeah, my husband noticed too, uh, Brian, he noticed that there's a ton of girls in the audience that are the up on the shoulders, you know, up there on the their boyfriend's mm -hmm. shoulders and leaning in and trying to grab them. And they're like real rabid, rabid groupie fans there. So that was kind of fun to check out. And that there's also um, the security detail in front and they all have these goldenrod colored t-shirts and we tried to zero in on their the name of their security company on the t-shirts but couldn't couldn't see it even on the big screen tv speaking of the the crowd i paused the minute right at second 42 and there's a young woman in a red vest with kind of like a headband and she's sitting on the shoulders of this guy and she's just almost close enough to touch mm -hmm. uh nigel and I look down at the expression of the guy whose shoulders she's sitting on, and so often you see these pictures, he's just got this kind of, well, here I am, look on his face, <laughs> probably wondering why he's even allowing her to do this. You're like, well, you know, I like this band too, maybe I want to touch him, but you won't let me ride your shoulders. <laughs> it's that kind of expression. Yeah. <laughs> but what I like about this shot is that we see so many young women that are just pawing and trying to get closer to these band members. And yet, I think it's the next interview after this concert footage. Isn't that where they say that most of their fans are like young men? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> kind of flies in the face of what they're showing us. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. Certainly, this crowd is at least evenly mixed, if not more women, at least up close to the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, a lot of a lot of young women in, in the crowd, and there's a couple. There's uh, there's a couple fans up front. Uh, Heidi, you mentioned the the kind of goldenrod yellow shirts that security's wearing. There's a couple women in spinal tap shirts that it's almost the almost, almost. if not the exact same yellow. Yeah. If you, you just have to see from the front, you can see it kind of says spinal tap. And these are probably they got these shirts for five dollars in the parking lot. They don't look like official tap shirts, <laughs> but yeah, there's some 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 folks up front in the crowd that uh that almost look like security. The the shirts almost match, though the they don't they've got a kind of a different logo on front. But yes, they, uh, I saw that too. They do get right up close to the stage. Mm-hmm. That, that reminds me of um, my first band that I really got into. I think I mentioned it in another minute, but like my first like teenage crush band was uh, the Police. Mm-hmm. I I got to see them in concert, and I remember, uh, and hopefully somewhere here in my you know household, I believe I still have some of the original T-shirts that I got from those early concerts. And oh my gosh, I just cherished those T-shirts and loved wearing them to school because at the time they were they were considered you know kind of a way back when they used to call music alternative but it was really alternative you know way way back mm-hmm. not it wasn't a you know or they call it college rock it was sort of like fringe weirdo you know um kind of yeah music. college so, rock was kind of just a catch all for stuff we don't know what it is yeah but yeah they were considered you know kind of a more but i mean they grew to be extremely popular but mm. at the very beginning it, i felt very cool and like oh i have a police <laughs> t-shirt on and i'm wearing it to school with my bi-level you know rocker do i kind of had the same cut as sting back in those early days that kind of proto rock mullet thingamajig and mm. i was very very prideful of my cool look Nothing wrong with that. No. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> so, yeah, um, let's see. I'm trying to think if I had any. Uh, one thing I just noticed and enjoyed was that there's, it looks like there's flames coming out of the eyeballs on that skull, that three dimensional skull piece that's hanging over them. And that there's also uh, pyrotechnics throughout mm-hmm. here, too. Getting the smoke, we're getting some kind of fireworky type stuff. So yeah, this is really uh Yeah, pretty pretty good, pro- good production value for uh it looks like it's not a not an exceptionally large venue. And, and they'll they'll touch on this later in the movie. So this is probably not we know it's New York City. It's it's probably not it's not like a Madison Square Garden type thing. It is a smaller venue, but but yeah, the lights, the smoke, the big the big skull with the horns. I feel like this is a band that that puts on a pretty good show. Oh yeah, and it's a spectacular prop with the the motion of the the jaw opening up and the just the the smoke effects and so many lights in this small space. <laughs> yeah. The color scope they've been able to craft is just spectacular. Yeah, it yeah. looks like the, it looks like a really fun show to yeah. have been at. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and we've even get to see a, a a little bit of a few of the um, handheld cameramen on the stage mm-hmm. capturing the action close up. Well, I think in 1984, the term handheld 
<laughs> like, yeah, you can hold it in your hand, but you're going to need both of them and probably your shoulder, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're more, more shoulder-mounted than, than handheld. Well, I think another thing, Sean, weren't you talking a little bit of, with me earlier today about the the lyrics? Lyrics. The I was just wondering, do we, yeah, do we want to touch on on these lyrics? So one thing is the title of the song. This will this will come out more and more. It'll kind of be a recurring theme. Is uh, Spinal Tap? They go the distance. They go the extra mile uh, because because they care. Um, so they do the things that other rock and roll bands do, but they just take it further. So. Uh, the title of this song is Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight. Um, so you get two tonights, which is not its not unusual in lyrics. In, in pop music and rock and roll and lyrics, there's a lot of repetition and things will not necessarily make sense if you write them out and, and, and read them. So the phrasing is not super unusual. What's unusual is they actually put it in the title of the song. Yeah, Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight. Um, and, and what we get is a lot of tonight I'm going to rock you 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 and I think that's most of what they sing of what we actually see in the minute but then going a little bit deeper kind of digging into the album some of the lyrics of this song that didn't make it in into the movie it's um you know it's it's some of the stereotypical braggadocio of of rock and roll sort of the masculine sexual sexuality um, one of the one of the lines is, uh, "You're hot. You take all we got. Not a dry seat in the house." Um, <laughs> totally gross. So it's yeah. you know it's 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 blatant. It's not. There's no entendre here. Yeah, they're 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 out front. And then there's one of the lines is uh, it's a little uncomfortable to be honest. Oh yeah, it's uh, you're sweet, but you're just four feet. And you still got your baby teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. That is... Okay. I, think that's, I, I don't think I'm overstating it to say that's a little bit inappropriate. So I'm uh, glad you brought that up, because as I was thinking about this song and getting hung up on that line specifically, I did a little bit of searching around, and I actually found online an interview that the AV Club did with Michael McKean. Mm-hmm. And they straight up said, you know, in the song, there's a real borderline pedophilic vibe. And <laughs> I... <laughs> And Michael, That's generous to say borderline. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Bless his heart. This is this is what he says. This is his response. He says, "Yeah, tell me about it. You still got your baby teeth. That's a pretty horrible line, but it may be my wife's favorite line." No, no, no. You're too young, and I'm too well hung. Is my wife's favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> and I find it interesting. There are some people that will evaluate this song and be like, "Okay, yes, they are acknowledging that some of their fans are." Too, maybe a little too young or some of these fans are really too eager but it's not their job as rockers to engage them in a sexual manner their job is to bring the rock and so tonight they're going to rock you tonight they're not going to bring you backstage because their passion is left all out on the stage and that's a total bullshit way of looking at it <laughs> but like it makes it. it a whole lot easier to I, swallow I like that justification it's some some good tap dancing yeah yeah <laughs> I, I kind of bought that <laughs> yeah. yeah earlier in the interview they they brought up the subject of the song and Michael McKean said that they just kind of needed an opening number he wanted to write something that was not exactly heavy metal, but kind of had that hard rock shuffle kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And it was lyrically something that could trumpet the astounding manhood of the singer, which is exactly what you said earlier. 
Yeah, uh, I love that. I'm glad you brought that information. And also reminds me too, just one of the things I was going to mention about them visually is that when we see him, he's rocking out. Let's see here what second it's at. It's like around second 20 and he's really bouncing. Mm -hmm. And it really reminds me of a Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the course of the movie, as I was looking at the characters performing, I feel like, and I don't want to sell them short, but I kind of feel like they're packing, you know, they're kind of giving themselves a little extra stuffing. <laughs> yes. If you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Some enhancement. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, no insult, <laughs> but it just, it just feels that it's coming off that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's valid. So this song, this isn't, this is almost like a, a, a rock and roll trope, this type of song, this kind of announcing the intention of the band that it's a good opening number. We're here and we're here to rock you. Absolutely. The more I listen to this song, the more the keyboard solo and kind of the, uh, how do I want to word this? Kind of the, the, the boogie guitar riff, it started to sound familiar to me. <clears throat> and when I was growing up, I was pretty much always listening to Boston, which Mm. ironically Mm -hmm. living close to Boston. um, In fact, the lead singer ended his life about two and a half miles from my house. Oh, wow. Um, So quick Rick trivia there. Anyway, (laughs) the song that really reminds me most of tonight, I'm going to rock you is actually their song smoking, which has a very, you know, upbeat guitar riff that's kind of the baseline to it very yeah. high energy it's got this amazing keyboard solo in the middle of it and it reminds me almost exactly of this mm-hmm. minute here so they're really tapping into a like you said a trope of rock music that really resonates with people and i think it's an excellent introduction to the movie itself mm-hmm. definitely yeah it really grounds it in a lot of reality even though it's also ridiculous you can see why people may have thought that this was a real band and a real documentary at first blush yeah that that's funny i never um i i never made that connection i'm actually a, a pretty big or you was a big boston fan uh or at least of their their first three albums and it's as soon as you mentioned it, it kind of snaps like, oh, yeah, because it's 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 a similar kind of song. Smoking is a similar kind of, uh, you know, we're here to rock. Everyone get up and 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 rock along with us. I'm trying to think because uh, I did. I actually saw them a couple times in concert. I'm trying to remember if, if, if that was their opening number. If it wasn't, it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's oh, that's really uh like I said, it just I, I'd never thought of it, but as soon as you said it, it, it makes sense. Like, yeah, that's that's a good parallel in terms of that kind of um kind of introductory, we're here, we're gonna rock kind of song. Yeah. I have a feeling that if you if you go through their entire album for this movie, you'll probably be able to pick out those little motifs and those mm-hmm. little call outs, those little tributes almost to you know <laughs> those non joke bands. Yeah, yeah, when I've yeah. I've got that they're they're for for most of the other songs I have something similar where I could say oh well this it's this type of song and here's another example of a band who of 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 doing that kind of thing. Um I just hadn't made the, any kind of connections for uh for this one. So that's good. That's good stuff. Smoking. That's, that's why we have you here, Rick. Yeah. 
Yeah. So while we have you here, Julie and Rick, do you have any kind of Spinal Tap memories you can share? Do you remember the first time you saw the movie? I think the first time I saw the movie was with you, Rick. I Surprisingly, because I was a fan of this genre, the mockumentary genre, I'm kind of surprised I didn't see this movie earlier. But I didn't see it until we were together and you showed it to me. Mm-hmm. I actually, the first time I saw it, I was still in high school and a buddy of mine, I was hanging out at his house and he's like, Hey Rick, have you ever seen Spinal Tap? And I'm like, no. He's like, okay, sit down. We need to watch this right now. (laughs) So we went into his living room. He called it up on the TV and we just watched the whole thing through. Mm -hmm. And it was just, oh my gosh, there's so many good, like, I understand why you guys are doing this movie because there are so many little, just hilarious vignettes and things that you can pick out of each scene. (laughs) It just makes it so memorable and completely understand why people love this movie. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, – I agree. I mean, that that it's just so many little nuggets throughout the entire movie and also that on repeat viewing, there are definitely things like, oh, I never noticed that. Oh, I never noticed that. And I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to continue through minute by minute to see what other little – like that, that chain with the – handcuffs on it i mean never saw it before and i know i've i've watched this and you know intently many times so yeah it's it's really been fun so far and we're only in the first week of watching these yeah it's amazing what you'll pick out when you're only restricted to 60 seconds (laughs) so i think another thing we were talking about was um julia you mentioned one of your favorite other music related movies the uh, mighty wind rick how about you? Any recommendations or favorite, you know, uh, documentaries or other music-related movies? Well, I don't necessarily have a full-length movie to recommend. When I hear the phrase mockumentary, the first thing I instantly think of is an old Funny or Die video that they put together entitled Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which is pretty much a, a faux trailer where Aaron Paul stars a young weird Al and he hooks up with... <laughs> I think it's like uh, Olivia Munn who plays Madonna. And then um, Al Yankovic comes in to to be the record executive that tells him he doesn't have any talent, but it's kind of his rise and fall in the rock and roll world and whatnot. And it's just, you know, a couple minutes, a fake trailer, but it makes you beg, why didn't they actually make this? Because it just looked so good. You have Patton Oswalt as Dr. Demendo, and he's like, you take oh, awesome. song lyrics and make them about food. You can change the world. <laughs> like, I want more of that. Oh, my God. That's great. So it's really based on his or, you know, his his early rise. It sounds oh, and it's like. a super quick watch. You can watch cool. it seven times on your lunch break if you want it. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I oh, just that's a great recommendation. That. Yeah, that sounds great. I got to see uh, Weird Al Yankovic live um, just a couple years ago here in, in uh, Oakland, California, and it was such a fantastic show. Mm-hmm. And Oh, it's an amazing live show. Absolutely. Oh, my God. So talented. I mean, talk about somebody that I've, – I've always been a fan of him, but kind of just a sideline fan. Um, not mm-hmm. – um, my husband's more into kind of uh, parodies and – uh, but like he likes a lot of kind of parody, kind of goof, goofball stuff like that, and and I, I but I always admired it. But what was more, yeah, like light fan. I don't know how to say it. Like I never bought any of his albums, but seeing him live <laughs> was 
I just never realized just how his amazing vocal range and mm-hmm. and like real ability as a musician, and it was so fun. So yeah, well, and his band Weird Al, I I think is is still with the same guys through most, if not all, of his career, all his albums, and I think that that's key for for parody and for, and for spoofs that it it has to be good. I mean, if you're gonna make to draw the line between comedy and a joke, you know, if you you don't if you want to be a joke band, you don't have to be good. But if you want to be if you want to do parody, it has to be the music has to be there for then you, you know that you can then build upon that foundation for um for for humor. Um yeah, so that's certainly true of of Weird Al's band and I think that's that's very true of of Spinal Tap as well that they they you know they they parody, they spoof, they they exaggerate things for comedic effect, but the foundation of of the music and the musicianship of the players, you know, is beyond question. That the, these guys can play the the joke is not you know not that they can't play or not how they play, um, and that's you know that's true of, of Weird Al and his band, and I think that's true of Spinal Tap as well. For sure, absolutely, yeah. Well, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about specifically before we start wrapping up minute four? I think I'm all tapped out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Our first person to say that. Great. great. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, okay. So I'm going to start wrapping things up here then. Um, We hope you've enjoyed the fourth episode of Spinal Tap Minute. Our theme music is by our upcoming guests, Aloha Screwdriver. We have them on our schedule, so we're really excited to get those guys in um, so that we can talk about music and talk tap. Um, You can stay connected with us by visiting SpinalTapMinute.com, and you can find all of our social links there and the very important subscription link. And um, after you subscribe and listen, we hope that you'll even go in and and give us a five-star review and tell everybody how awesome we are so we can, you know, find more fans and more Spinal Tap fans. It's easier for people to find us with that magical algorithm of iTunes if uh, people go in and and give us reviews. And uh, so that would be really helpful. Appreciate you spreading the word. Well, I just also want to add that... uh... We've got a uh, Spinal Tap Minute hotline. Uh, you can call us at 419-TAP-TAP-6. That's 419-827-8276. Um, so you can just share your, your Spinal Tap experiences and memories with us, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll share those on a future episode. And uh, so, uh, Julie and Rick, where, uh, folks that want to hear more from you, where can they find you? So our website is madmaxminute.com. If you feel so inclined, you could also follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute. And of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Mad Max Minute. We are, let's see, as of this recording, we are about a month in. So it's still, we're still not too far out for people that want to jump in. You'll be able to catch up real quick, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I think we're, we're, we're getting to know Max and uh, he isn't quite mad yet. So it's still, it's still pretty early in the movie. So yeah, absolutely. Nope. I'm 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 a big fan of what uh, you guys are doing over there, and so I, I'll encourage our listeners to uh, to hop on over if they haven't yet. And uh, yeah, and likewise, likewise, it's a really great great podcast. So 
Um, great to yeah. listen to you guys. Yeah. And then I'm so glad that you were available and willing to talk for, oh, almost an hour here about. Yeah. <laughs> and you can be talk. sure we're going to, we're going to pull you when it comes to, uh, when it comes time for Road Warrior. We're going to start incorporating guests awesome. more in the second movie since it's more well known. So keep an eye on your inbox for that one. Definitely would love to be a guest. Yeah. Ditto. Ditto. Same here. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for minute four uh, from all of us here at Spinal Tap Minute. And so until next time, and so say all of us, tap, tap, into, tap into America. America. <laughs> <laughs>